to very high-level personages. This is all connected, and we have to go through time to understand the present. That's the whole point of it. If you don't understand the basic history, everything that you get hit with today is just a media release to you so that you will get in a frenzy or you'll get angry or bitter but never really realize the power behind it, what's really doing it, why is it put out there. And remember when I said that the technique of persuasion from revolutions onwards to Bernese propaganda was to do with the media. The media are the ones who make you upset by what they dish out to you. It also conditions you back in a moment after these messages. Hi, I am Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. When you skip through the bizarreness of today's media, with its incredible stories of horror and happiness and trivia and sex all mixed together, a combination which is understood to put people into the twilight zone in a sense, because pain and pleasure and horror affect the very base portions of the brain where all things come from. These techniques are involved in sadomasochism and they're well understood in psychological warfare. The public today have been truly mind-bombed. They've also been incredibly desensitized to true horror when it's mixed with incredible fiction and trivia. Everything becomes a bizarre circus and while you're watching the circus it's as though you're on LSD because that's the effects they want you to have or to experience the surrealism of it all and when 9-11 happened I said on a radio show that the hardest thing now will be to hold on to your sanity as we go through the changes which I knew were coming great revolutions in the past have always been preceded by speeches that torched off the revolution the speeches in themselves contained terms in which the initiates who'd been trained for revolution understood that was the time for it to be. In fact, that's the term they often used is now is the time. Sometimes they say the time is now. And you'd understand as well when Bush Sr. gave his New World Order speech, the New World Order coming into view, he was giving the signal of an upcoming revolution. And we don't understand that 9-11 and what's happened up until the present time and what's accelerating today into the globalist society is a revolution. It's under the guise of terrorism. That's only one part of it. But if you notice a whole bunch of laws on the economy, ecology, and all that college entails has been rammed down everyone's throats across the whole planet. And man himself, apparently, is the enemy of the world. All sparked off by 9-11 and rampaged on like a stampede up until the present, and it's not stopped. It's got a a long ways to go. In fact, the speeches given right after 9-11 were really speeches by the high initiates, you might say, who came out, the well-known figures that came out, and immediately before the dust settled, they said, 
Ben Laden did this. They're the high issues. They knew this was a sign for the big change. I said a long time ago, too, that Bretton Woods that set up the financial system up until the present was part one, and I read parts of the, the, the maker of that whole policy for Bretton Woods, John Maynard Keynes, who talked about a world to come that he wouldn't see in his lifetime, but it wouldn't be that far off, where people would work basically in service to the world society. I've quoted from the Anglo-American establishment and tragedy and hope by Professor Carl Quigley, who had the records and the histories of the CFR in America and the Royal Institute for International Affairs in Britain, where they also talked from the very beginning of that particular part of their agency because they had other names before Tito Rhodes came along, but from, from that time on, they kept talking about a world they'd bring in where everyone would be in service to that world. Service comes from the same root source as a serf. We have to understand that, and Professor Quigley, Quigley himself said the new system that would come in would take the guise of a new feudal system where the CEOs of international corporations would be the new feudal overlords, but you have to understand how feudalism worked because the overlords were not the, the ones at the top. They worked for a king. And that's how this world system will be set up. You can tie that in with all the revolutions from the U.S. revolution onwards because there really is a continuum of revolutions and people have no idea today. The revolution was continuous throughout the world, right up into World War One. I've also read from various sources that catalogued the different agencies that were involved in revolution. There were professional revolutionaries. And how it's documented that Thomas Paine was one who was sent from England, who was trained in revolution. And after the U.S. revolution, he went over to France to get it going there to help and eventually, uh, the slaughter got so bad in France with the beheadings that even he began to complain about the excesses, and he was put in prison. He was eventually gotten out by his friends back in the U.S. But it didn't stop there. Many revolutionaries came along after him, and they were professionals. They had no problems discussing the fact that they belonged to Masonic lodges, and that's well known. And some of the Masonic lodges, they published articles themselves in their own books that they were an ideal vehicle for revolution because they were organized societies outside of the church system. They probably were the only organized societies outside the church systems, outside of just the elite circles. And they were also sworn to secrecy, so therefore anything that happened in the lodge stayed in the lodge. Anything that was said. Trotsky himself, in his own book called My Life, said that he was initiated in, in prison into the Masonic Lodge and that he'd come up so high in it in a short time and he was so impressed with it that he began to write what he called the best series or, or 
compendium of, of pre-Masonic works ever, ever written. I don't think he came out with it because he had to get out of Russia. He was escorted out, in fact, and he was eventually assassinated by an assassin that was sent after him. Maybe he was going to spill too much. But you can go back even to the so-called Illuminati that's on everybody's lips. They, they, love the, they love the Illuminati term. And, of course, there's a lot of nutcases out there that really truly believe they're in it. But the true Illuminati were the Illumined Ones. There's no doubt about it. They had overcome religion completely. And as Nietzsche was to say, if God is dead, how would you now behave in a world where God is dead, as opposed to how you'd behave in a world where God was the master? Your whole outlook changes. The way you view the entire world and everything in it changes. You have no guilt. You have no fear. All the laws that inhibited you are gone. The sky is a limit. You do what you wanted to do. And that's exactly what people like Weishaupt came up with. <coughs> Weishaupt, <coughs> Weishaupt was, in a sense, the Bernays of his time. He was one of many. And there's no doubt about it, there's a much bigger organization behind Weishaupt than just himself to get it starting it. He was well-funded from the beginning. And you have to look into and do your homework and find out which little kingdom took him in when he had to vamos. And they gave him a lifelong pension until he died. Why would they give him a pension when his system supposedly was going to overthrow all the systems of the world? You tie that in with Cecil Rhodes' ambition and when they really financed the revolutionary movements across the world with young Turks, young Italians, and so on, who were meant to, they were meant to overthrow their existing orders at home. You tie that in with ambitions of Weishaupt, and they're pretty well the same. World citizenship, the world run by a natural aristocracy, the same term that Benjamin Franklin used. The world citizens and the world citizenship awards are given out by Mr. Rockefeller still today from the Council on Foreign Relations. These things are all tied together. You look <clears throat> at how Weishaupt set up his meetings to attract people into them. He was the first one to use, this is from the book, On Proofs of a Conspiracy by John Robson, Robison, R-O-B-I-S-O-N, written in 1798. And he's, he talked about a German Union. Now remember, the Lodge of Yale is basically taken after uh, the Bienen Order that was started up by Weishaupt, the Order of the Bees. When he used the beehive and the bee as a symbol, as Napoleon did too, the same symbol down through all the revolutions. It was a high Masonic system, the, the hive representing the perfect order of society. That's what they used for it. You have to understand, too, that people were ripe for revolution. And if you want to take the world off in a, in a particular direction, but you mustn't, and they must 
You must use the people beneath you to fight for you, for what you want. You must make sure that those who follow are given a different story, a different version of where you're taking them. This has been used time after time down through all revolutions and wars. It's interesting too that Weishaupt gave the name to himself called Spartacus after a slave in ancient Rome who led a rebellion. So they saw themselves, these particular illumined ones, as slaves of a kind, slaves to what? They were the intellectual slaves of those who ruled by money and power. Back with more after this break. Protestant divine, a, a, a high Protestant follower, 
who is now of the order, that's the order that Weishaupt created, is persuaded that the religion contained in it is a true sense of Christianity, because that's how they presented it to him. He says, O man, O man, to what mayest thou not be persuaded? In other translations, or say, what, what can you not be made to believe? He said, who would imagine that I was to be the founder of a new religion? They understood the humans perfectly back in his day. As I say, they understood how to use what, what Bernays would call propaganda. On page 91 of Proofs of Conspiracy, he says, this is about uh, one of his members here, after laboring four years with great zeal, he was provoked with the disingenuous, disingenuous tricks of Spartacus, and he broke off with all connections. This is one of the members with the society in 1784, and sometime after published a declaration of all that he had done in it. This is one of the defectors out of the system. This is a most excellent account of the plan and principles of the order, at least as he conceived it, for Spartacus had much deeper views and shows that the aim of the order was to abolish Christianity and the all-state governments of Europe, that was to come afterwards, and to establish a great republic, a, a whole community, a European Union. <laughs> but it's full of romantic notions and enthusiastic declamation on the hackneyed topics of universal citizenship. That's what's been dished out right now by the Rockefellers, as I say. How can these all be coincidences? Or is it one long thread? And he goes on to say, and liberty and equality, says here Spartacus gave him line and allowed him to work on. So, so Spartacus basically indoctrinated these, these ardent followers and used them. And it says that here, knowing that he could discard him when he chose. There's so much in the book. One of Weishaupt's letters is, contains this, Nothing would be more profitable to us than a right history of mankind. Despotism has robbed them of their liberty, how can the weak obtain protection? He didn't care about the weak, you understand? This is what they preached to their fellow men to get them on board for revolution. Only by union, union, you see, and this is rare. Nothing can bring this about but hidden societies. Hidden schools of wisdom are the means which will one day free men from their bonds. These have in all ages been the archives of nature and of the rights of men, and by them shall human nature be raised from his, her fallen state. Princes and nations shall vanish from the earth. So all nations were to be, to be abolished. The human race will then become one family and the world would be the dwelling of rational men. So he also gives a lot of things out that were actually used in the French Revolution, which no doubt was, were, were copied after Weishaupt's Lodge. Now remember, too, his lodge kept spreading like wildfire, even after the, the, basically, the basic declarations were found and brought to the courts of royalty. These lodges had already taken off, and there were some in the U.S. at the same time. Washington admitted that back after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. Going down through time to link the pieces together because you'll find it's one continuous piece, basically. And before I continue with Weishaupt, I should mention that in Tragedy and Hope, Professor Quigley does give one of the best writings I've ever seen on the economy and banking in itself. He goes through the different types of banking systems there have been in the past. And he goes right up into the, the stock market traders, the ones who deal with liquidity and so on. And this ties in with all of this because you'll find those that were involved in revolutions like Albert Pike was too. He said, he told his followers in his own book, Morals and Dogma, that we, we shall have to, by our own ingenuity, and cunning go into basically the acquisition of money, vast amounts of money. He says by using the stock market as well until we become masters over the masters of the world. Now, Weishaupt's whole intention, if you were to believe it, was to overthrow all systems of government and the existing systems of banking too and monarchy. And yet, when you go down through time and follow tragedy and hope, you find a bunch in England planning a world society, beginning with the English-speaking peoples, a federation of the world that they'd take over bit by bit. And once they'd done that, they'd then take the same systems into the rest of the world. And they set it up and they pulled it off. Because that's what we're under now. That's what we're going into is this last phase of this revolution. This current phase started in 2001, and this is a revolution we're going through. It's a revolution where science is elevated to the top. Now, that's what they called, and Weishaupt called it too, reason. Reason shall triumph. And they even had a goddess of reason, which they put into Notre Dame Cathedral after a long parade to the cathedral in the French Revolution the goddess of reason. Today, it's science. Those with this bright ability, Thomas Jefferson, who also was accused by some of the founding fathers of being a member of this Weishaupt Illuminati, said himself that the world would come, the day would come when the natural aristocracy would rule. He was referring to those with reason, the educated scientific class. And you will find with the top masons of his era and later eras of the present, they all wanted to go down in history books as inventors, scientists. That was something they all wanted to be known for. Science, reason. Getting back to Prusa conspiracy, this is what Weishaupt says about the kingdom they're going to bring in, this new world. It is, but alas, the task of self-formation was too hard for the subjects of the Roman Empire, corrupted by every species of profligacy. A chosen few received the doctrines in secret, but they have been handed down to us, but frequently almost buried under rubbish of man's invention by the Freemasons. That's what he claims. Now, he was using all of the existing Freemasonic institutions to infiltrate and use for revolution. These three conditions of human society are expressed by and then he uses Masonic terms here, they call it the ashlar. He calls it the rough, the split, and the polished stone. 
The rough stone and the one that is split express our condition under civil government, rough by every fetting inequality of condition and split, since we are no longer one family and are further divided by differences of government, rank, property, and religion. But when reunited in one family, we are represented by the polished stone. He said that the G that they use is for grace, because there are many other meanings as well, the higher up they go. The flaming star, the torch of reason, the torch of reason, that's what, that's why the French Illuminists gave you the Statue of, of Liberty in the United States. That's the torch of reason. Those who possess this knowledge are indeed illumined, or illuminati. Hiram is our fictitious grandmaster slain for the redemption of slaves. Again, there's that slave part in his name that he adopted was Spartacus the slave, who rebelled. The nine masters are the founders of the order. It's interesting, too, that Benjamin Franklin, when he was the ambassador to France, and he lived like a king. I have his adult books here on even what he went through in a year. It's incredible, financial-wise and wine-wise, too. But uh, he became the grandmaster of the Nine Sisters Lodge for the whole of France. The grandmaster. And he initiated Voltaire into it. He wrote about it himself in his own writings. So here's, here's the Nine Masters are the founders of the order. Look at the same thing with the Knights Templars. You have nine knights supposedly went into the Middle East to look for that which was lost, as they say, and dug up parts of the Holy Mount. And there's lots of books been written on it since with the great mysteries and so on of what they found, if anything at all. But they do love these Kabbalistic numbers. Freemasonry says it's a royal art. That's what they call it, the royal art. Inasmuch as it teaches us to walk without trammels and to govern ourselves. And that's what most Masons think it is. Uh, almost like a self-improvement club when you look at yourself honestly and your position in the world. But with it comes a, a, an order. It is an order. Weishaupt also used techniques that Pythagoras used Pythagoras was the first society to bring in women and the women he trained up to perfection in the day's education and became the greatest wives or mistresses of those in power. That's why Pythagoras, was, his school was hunt, uh, destroyed and burned down when the people caught on to what he was up to. And here's what uh, Spartacus was doing or Weishaupt. There's no way of influencing men so powerfully as by means of the women. It should therefore be our chief study. We should insinuate ourselves into their good opinion, give them hints of emancipation from the tyranny of public opinion and of standing up for themselves. It was to be a women's liberation movement. But he also had in mind to separate all of the species or the genders. It will be an immense relief to the enslaved minds to be freed from any one bond of restraint and it will fire them the more and cause them to work for us to cause them to work for us. You see how he's using every group with zeal, without knowing what they do. They think they know what they do, but they don't know the outcome of it at all. For they will only be indulging their own desire of personal admiration. 
We must win the common people in every corner. This will be obtained chiefly by means of the schools, through the schools that we're setting up, and by open-hearted behavior, show condescension, popularity, and toleration of their prejudices, which we shall at leisure root out and dispel. So bring them in first, and then get rid of their, their present opinions on things, and reindoctrinate them, is what he's saying there. Every group in society was to be used, each one given a goal, which would always be a false goal, because Weishaupt knew where he was going, and no one else was to know. He says, if a writer publishes anything that attracts notice and is in itself just, but does not accord with our plan, we must endeavor to win him over or decry him. If you're on the right track, you'll be smeared. They'll smear your personality. That's standard. The communist that too, it still happens today. And another trick is to win them over. Now, I read an article from the Psychological Warfare Department of the Army, and they have that in there too with journalists, how to win over journalists, how to get them on board, and how, how they'll actually set men on them to befriend them, be their best pals, give them tips and so on, until the person feels totally obligated to, to write things in a very slanted way. That's standard procedure, which is used yet. And here's Weishaupt doing all the same stuff back then. It says here, fronts. Here's how you front groups. This is getting back to foundations and so on. A great strength of our order lies in its concealment, but it never appear in any place in its own name. In its own name, never let it appear. Always call it something else. But always covered by another name and another occupation. You look at all the foundations, and they sound so innocent and charitable and worthy until you look at what they're doing. Almost all of them at least spend part of their money towards promoting family planning across the planet. That's a prime objective to those in power. Mr. Rockefeller himself is on Google Video talking about the necessity to bring down the population drastically. And he funds a lot of these front foundations from his foundation. None is fitter than the three lower degrees of Freemasonry. The public is accustomed to it, expects little from it, and therefore takes little notice of it. Next to this, the form of a learned or literary society is best suited to our purpose. And had Freemasonry not existed, this cover would have been employed. And it may be much more than a cover. It may be a powerful engine in our hands. By establishing reading societies and subscription libraries and taking these under our direction, and supplying them through our labors, we may turn the public mind which we will, which, which way we will. Turn the public mind which way we will. It was all to do with stuff that Bernays knew years later that was obviously well known by Weishaupt. It's astonishing, really. Astonishing to understand how they knew everything. Now, they even talked about using music and the types of music they would play to the youngsters to get them on board. Going back even further in time to Plato, he talked about music as well and the arts and drama and how it affects people and how musicians especially should be licensed by the authorities because it could provoke into revolution so easily the young. Techniques that are ancient were known 
by Weishaupt. Even had it worked out how to get members of royalty into it, but never get them, let them get above a certain degree. It was all worked out. He says princes should never get beyond the Scotch knighthood. They either never prosecute anything or they twist everything to their own advantage. So they would be used for prestige, get them on board. Then they went on to the different mysteries of Illuminati, how they'd put it over to the public. He said that the, the greatest way to get people into our lodge is through a great mystery. And they would spend their lives going up to the degrees looking for the answers to the mystery. And he said, behold, there is no mystery. Well, that's still being used today by people who are raking in the cash. Eventually, you get all the charities uh, under and the foundations under his hand. Because all the German schools and the benevolent societies are at last under our direction. That's page 114. We have got several zealous members in the courts of justice that are getting judges on board. We're able to afford to pay them and other good additions. Lately we have got possession of the Bartholomew Institution for Young Clergymen, having secured all its supporters. Through this we shall be able to supply Bavaria with fit priests. So they're even taking over the priesthood. From a letter from Philo is, is confident we learn that one of the highest dignities of the church was obtained from a zealous illuminist in opposition even to the authority and rights of the Bishop of Spire, who is represented as a bigot and a tyrannical priest. Such were the lesser mysteries of the Illuminati, but there remain the higher mysteries. The system of these has not been printed, and the degrees were conferred only by Spartacus himself from papers which he never entrusted to any person. They were only read to the candidate, but no copy was taken. That's still the same in a lot of Masonic lodges today. The publisher of the, the new Arbitum says that he had read them, so says Grolman. He says that in the first degree of Magus or Philosophus, the doctrines are the same with those of Spinoza, where all is material, God and the world are the same thing, and all religion, whatever, is without foundation and the contrivance of ambitious men. The second degree or Rex teaches that every peasant, citizen, and householder is a sovereign as in the patriarchal state, and that nations must be brought back to that state by whatever means are conducible, peaceably if it can be done, but if not, then by force, for all subordination must vanish from the face of the earth. Now remember, that's what he was teaching, these ones. But the whole point was to put in what they saw was the natural aristocracy themselves, the scientists of their day. That was the whole point of it. Everyone who was, had a, was idealistically minded would be used and given their own the propaganda to suit to their own order to get everyone on board. Youngsters, women, men, didn't matter. They were each given a different version, all thinking you're going to a wonderful free world. But Weishaupt made it quite plain in his letters how he scorned most of mankind and how dull and stupid most people were. He had the same attitude, as I say, as Bernays had of the general population. And Bernays, remember, got the U.S. to go to a war for him to save a company that paid him money. When you see people 
doing such things for you, would you respect them for being used or would you despise them? They always end up despising those that they use to get to where they wanted to go. That standard. So this book, as I say, is quite an interesting one. There's also another one from France that's more, far more detailed. But this one's easily available in, in the West. Proofs of Conspiracies, reprints by John Robinson. And this one's from the Americanist Classics. Nothing else. Who published it? Western Islands. Well worth reading. And when you look at the intrigues that were caused and the conflicts because Weishaupt again ran all sides of things. To get change, you must have conflict. Out of the conflict comes the synthesis. That's what you're after in the first place. And then you take that new synthesis and it becomes the first thesis. It begins all over again. So mankind can progress, as they call it, through scientific education to the next level and the next level and the next level, but always with conflict as the new and the young come up, take the old ideas that haven't been there very long and then have war with them. And out of that comes the new thesis. Communism and the Trotskyism was based on that whole theory. Thesis, antithesis, and synthesis. And then thesis once again from the synthesis. Back with more after this break. banking system. 
organisations. They did use the stock market. They did use their cunning, as Pike said, and they had become, and they have become masters over the masters of the world, and they run countless foundations to bypass any real democracy. And they fund all of the big NGO groups and all the greenie groups that want less people and more animals. These are the ones behind the Georgia Guidestones. These were the ones behind Jacques Cousteau, who told us what the ideal population, human population, should be. It's the same groups that fund David Suzuki of Canada, who also on national television gave the ideal population of the world. At least he said how many would have to die off every day to save the world. It's the same agenda ongoing. Different phases doesn't stop. It's used many people with idealism in the past with real injustices and real grievances to fight for them, always ending up with a different system. As I said before, how many soldiers in World War II would have gone off to fight the war if they'd known that Winston Churchill was planning on a European Union afterwards, but had already debated before the war that to do so would mean the loss of the culture. How many American troops were going to fight if they were told there'd be a Union of the Americas and then they'd be unified with Europe? It wouldn't have happened. It's all done by a secret society down through the ages using many covers, as it says, and Weishaupt's own writings. Well, that's it for tonight, folks. So from Hamish, myself, and Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God, or your gods go with you.